Hello once again from Lighthouse Church in Amherstburg, Ontario. Uh, it's Easter. We hope you uh, have a blessed Easter. And uh, we're talking today about the resurrection, uh, which is the hope of the believer. We're actually in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. I'm Pastor Adrian Denneber. I'm the pastor here at Lighthouse Church. and been here just almost about four years. And as we get into God's Word this morning, we want to talk about when it comes to Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe we need to reflect first on what death means to each one of us. For me, sometimes I go back to a time when death became real to me. As a pastor, I've officiated at many funerals. I've offered consolation, comfort, to the best of my God-given ability to those who've lost a loved one. I've run grief share classes with Rose, my wife, for those suffering the loss of a loved one. But nothing really touched me as deeply as when I received a phone call early one morning in Halifax when I was pastoring there from my father when he called to let me know he was dying. See, he had battled cancer for probably at least two to three years. He'd been to the Henderson Hospital in Hamilton and gone through all the treatments. And I'd really thought, as well as my mother and my brothers, that Dad had beat it. Actually, he had gone off to Prairie Bible College to watch my youngest brother, Jack, graduate with his um, bachelor's degree from Prairie. Uh, so after a visit to the urologist my dad had gone to check out, because things didn't seem quite right, he received word from the urologist, Renee, you only have a few months left to live. You better put things in order. The cancer is so advanced at this point, we can't help you. He told me on the phone he'd already picked a burial place not too far from where mom and him had lived. As I listened, I was in shock. It's hard to imagine talking to someone, especially someone you love dearly, like your dad, and imagine life without him. See, death, in a sense, has a way of clarifying really what is valuable in life. So for me, it caused a lot of deep thought. I thought about my relationship with my father coming to an end. I often would call dad, talk to him, and ask him for advice and counsel. I knew that would come to an end. At first, really, I was concerned about my loss before I thought about my mom's loss and my brother's. I began to have short, long, and long agonizing talks with God about what my dad was going through and why. I remember walking to the beach in Cavendish, PEI, trying to process losing my father. As the waves crashed on the shore and I began to thought and as tears came to my face, I thought, man, I hate death, don't you? For all of us, death is a reality we will all face. But for a believer in God, our hope is in a risen Savior. And that's what Easter is all about, a risen Savior. Our hope is bound in the triumphal resurrection of Jesus Christ, who rose victorious over sin and death. So as we go to God's Word to study Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, let's just bow our heads in prayer and ask for God's blessing on His Word to our hearts. Father, we just thank You for the Word of God. We thank You, Lord, that this is a Sunday we celebrate the most stupendous, wonderful thing that ever happened here on earth. And that is, Father, when Your Son rose victorious over sin, death, and the devil so many years ago, Lord, and proved triumph over those things. 
So Lord, as we look at your word today, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us into all your truth. And that Lord, as you guide us, you'll help us to grow, be encouraged, and be edified through the proclamation of your word. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So as we turn to the scriptures, which is our source of strength and hope, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. See, the first message that was ever preached after Jesus rose from the dead in the book of Acts 2 was preached on the resurrection. As a matter of fact, as you go through the book of Acts, a lot of the messages that the apostles and disciples brought were all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He rose again from the dead. And that was a unique message because it was a message that had not been preached or taught up to that point. In Matthew 28, 1, we pick it up. It says, So after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. So we're going to view the resurrection at this morning through the eyes of women that were known to the Lord. These women were present at his crucifixion. They were the last ones at the cross and the first ones at the grave. They were there to anoint his body with spices. Their hearts would have been deeply grieving over the death that they'd seen transpire for them on the cross at the place of the skull. So they're en route to the tomb. Mary Magdalene, the other Mary. The Gospel of Mark asks, uh, adds that Salome was also there. The mother of James and John, the wife of Zebedee. Luke adds another woman named Joanna was there, the wife of one of Herod's stewards. So the question sometimes is raised, why did God choose women to be the first eyewitnesses of the resurrection? It's a good question. So I believe God rewards the faithful. And all the disciples had forsaken them, they fled they were fearful of their lives. Were they at the foot of the cross, these disciples? No. Were they there at the burial? No. But the women were there, and God rewards faithfulness. They came to see Jesus, who they believed was still crucified. There really wasn't any thought in the women's minds of the resurrection in the, at all. They didn't come to see Jesus resurrected from the dead. Their expectation really was a dead Jesus. And oftentimes when you and I go to graveyards today, that's what we see. People that are being buried in caskets and graves and sometimes ashes. And that's all we see is death. We don't see life. We don't expect to see life. So when they got to the graveside, they had a problem because there had been a stone rolled across the grave's mouth. So they said, Some people say, well, did they think about that as they were running towards the grave and spending time? And they said, the answer is, it it occurred to them, but they really didn't think it through. They were just overcome with compassion and grief and in a loving way wanted to anoint Jesus' body with these spices to prevent further decay because he had been in the grave three days. In Mark 16, 3, they ask, well, who will roll the stone away for us? It's very massive. They certainly couldn't do it themselves. Certainly the Roman soldiers who were guarding it weren't going to break the seal and do it. Maybe the women didn't realize that it was sealed with a Roman seal that by law could not be broken. These women came out of compassion for Jesus and wanted to honor him one last time. And as the women approached the tomb where Jesus was buried, they were greeted by five extraordinary events that God would use to get their attention 
and strengthen their faith. Five extraordinary events. We see in verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and, and sat on it. Well, this certainly wasn't what they expected. First of all, there's an earthquake. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, when earthquakes occurred, they were because of the manifest presence of God that happened. At Mount Sinai, when God met with Moses, they actually said that the mount shook and trembled. Many times when a sign of the presence of God, which we, he would use to comfort believers. In times also, it was a sign of God's judgment against his enemies. That was the first thing. The second appearance is the appearance of an angel. The angel in God's, is a God's special messenger. And his presence, his mere presence, absolutely terrifies the guards and leads to one of the other events which greets the women. The presence of the angel, especially the presence of an angel sitting on the tomb, especially on the stone that sealed the tomb, was a visible symbol of Christ's victory over death and the grave. <clears throat> so the angel sits on the throne. It's a manifestation that God has conquered death and he's conquered his enemies. And then you see the stone itself in verse 2. It's the third thing which greets the eyes of the women as they approach the tomb. So there's an earthquake, there was the angel, and then they see the stone because it was completely removed from the groove and it was laid over on its side and the angel was sitting on it. The reason the stone was removed was not to let Jesus out of the grave, in case you're wondering. The reason the stone was removed so that the disciples could look in and see Jesus wasn't there. Do you understand really what God is trying to do here? He's laying the groundwork for us to have confidence in the resurrection of his son. His concern is not to let his son free, who couldn't be held by the power of the grave, but rather that the disciples would come and look and have their faith strengthened when they see an empty tomb. And God wanted to make sure they got that picture loud and clear. We see in verse 3 that the angel's appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. It was the fourth amazing thing. It's the dazzling appearance of this angel. His description is striking. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. He would definitely get the women's attention by the way he was dressed and the way he looked. Let me remind you a little bit of the description that we see of in, in Revelation 10. One where John says, I saw another strong angel coming out of heaven clothed with a cloud and the rainbow was upon his head and his face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. This wasn't some little uh, cherub. This was an angel in majesty and grandeur representing God and having a message for the women that day. We see in verse 4, And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. That's the fifth extraordinary event that happened, which greets these women, which are stunned guards who were literally <coughs> immobilized, petrified, terrified, stunned by this angel. The seal, the stone, and now the guards, all devices that the Pharisees and the chief priests had put together to make sure we don't want Jesus getting out of the grave. The seal, the stone, the guards, we don't want him coming out of the grave. It's amazing what men will go through to prevent the story, true story of Jesus happening. See, in, in Matthew 27, 63 and 64, we read this. The Pharisees and the chief priests, kind of, they remembered Jesus' words that he said, I'm going to rise from the dead 
And they remembered it. But his disciples didn't. The women didn't remember, but the people that opposed his ministry, they, they remembered. Because you see in verse 63 of chapter 27, they said, talking to Pilate, Sir, we remember how the imposter said, while he was still alive, after three days, I will arise. Therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people he has risen from the dead and the last fraud will be worse than the first. It seems that the people that opposed Jesus sure remembered his words a whole lot better than his own disciples. Again, God is laying the groundwork for strengthening his disciples' faith. Verse 5, the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know you seek Jesus, who was crucified. See, the compassion of the women turned to fear when they saw the angel sitting on that rock and all his brilliance. Even though Jesus had taught them many times about the resurrection, they just didn't get it. They hadn't figured it out. And again, the angel's first words to them, don't be afraid. The soldiers had reason to be afraid of the angel, but not these women, followers of Jesus Christ. The angel knew who they were. He identified them, spoke to them and said, I know you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. So the angel had this ability to look at them and know exactly the reason why they were there. Must have surprised them. As the angel spoke to them and said, Hey, I know who you're looking for, but he's not here. And that's when the incredulous looks would come up on the women's faces and go like, Oh no, what's happened to Jesus? See, they thought of Jesus as only dead, gone. Their hearts were shattered, broken. They didn't understand his promise. They loved him so much that even from their viewpoint, he had failed them and he had failed to fulfill their kingdom hopes of a new kingdom that freed from Roman oppression. They sometimes followed him, sometimes not always for the right reasons. They loved him enough that they would minister to him even though they thought he was dead. Very clearly it states that he knew they were seeking Jesus, this angel, and he addresses them. And here are the amazing words in verse 6. Underline them in your Bible. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Wow. What a message. He is risen. It's the greatest message society has ever heard, ever. Because as we know, death is, is it's done. You're finished. There is no resurrection for many people because they think that, you know, uh, I have to live so many years of life, so I'm going to live life to the fullest because what I have is just what's here on earth. That's it. There is no more. But from Scripture, we know different. Our hope is in a risen Savior who gives us a living hope that someday when we die, if we know Christ, we will see him face to face. As a matter of fact, this was such an important truth in the New Testament church that the early New Testament church would greet each other this way. A person would greet another person and say, He is risen. And that person would say, He is risen indeed. And it became a, a challenging cry throughout the New Testament church as they talked about the resurrected Savior, different than any other religious leader or follower ever. Then they were invited by the angel to examine the sepulcher and see the place where Jesus had lain. 
the angel reminds them of the promise of Jesus and confronts them with the empty tomb. His every words is a summons. Believe he is risen. It's so fact that there are many who feel that the promise of Christ are too good to be true. That hesitation can be dispelled only by learning to take God at his word and what the scripture teaches. He was no longer there. He had tasted death, but he rose in victory. That's the glorious message of Easter. He has risen. He has risen indeed. See, Jesus died for the sin of the world, and the grave could not hold him. He willingly laid down his life for our sin. He rose triumphant over sin, death, and hell itself. And we have that hope in the church today because he lives. Then the angel says to the ladies, verse 7, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. See, I have told you. They were urged, share the good news. He is risen. Can you imagine going around telling people that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead? That would be quite a, uh, a message because it's not a message that people are going to believe. Even today, people today, even today, struggle with the fact that Jesus is risen. Uh, many people have tried to write books and articles that it was maybe he basically just, he really didn't die on the cross, he merely swooned, and then he came to his senses when he was in the grave and came out and he was fine. There's many people that have really tried to, in a sense, rewrite what scripture teaches to prove that he hasn't risen because of all the religious leaders in the world. If you look at Buddha, he's still in his grave. Look at Confucius, he's still in his grave. You look at Bahulala, he's still in his grave. Every single grave, every religious leader, it's still full. But Jesus' grave is empty because we serve a risen Savior. And so the first command that the angel gives to these ladies is, go tell his disciples he is risen again. Verse 8, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Such enthusiasm. And then we see in verse 9, look at this. Behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet, and they just worshipped. This was too good to be true. They just, it was, you know, talk about getting blown away. And the major, as the angel made their way, as the women, by the way, made their way back to the town, they, they, they encountered the risen Christ. And I rejoiced the day that I encountered the Lord. No, I didn't encounter him in a physical way. I didn't see him in bodily form. But I was introduced to him as a young child at age 12 when somebody shared the gospel message that I was a sinner, that I needed to be saved, and that by putting my faith and trust in what he did on the cross for me, I could have eternal life. I met him in my journey. I wasn't looking for him, but he came seeking for me. He spoke to my heart in that little church in Bramley through the preaching of God's word and showed me my need, and I was saved by his marvelous grace. What's your encounter been like with Jesus Christ? Have you met him? Have you experienced his marvelous grace in your life? There's a sense in which they were urged to rejoice. You say, well, what's that? But when he says greeting, the literal meaning of that word greeting is actually rejoice. 
it's me. Uh, the women were overcome with his presence. And they worship him. It was not a knee-jerk reaction at this point. I'm convinced they were compelled to worship because, wow, somebody who they thought was dead, they saw the shame, the agony that he went through on the cross, and now he's alive, speaking to them. And wow, what a testimony of the grace of God to their lives. They'd seen his lifeless body not two days, three days ago, removed from a cross, and now he's standing for them. I'm alive, and I'm alive forevermore. All he said was true. He was the Christ. He was the Savior. He was the Lord. And they were just beginning to grasp what Jesus was all about. Worship became natural. And of all days that the church celebrates, today should be a day of worship because we serve a living Savior. He has risen. And that will thrill our hearts. Our Lord lives. He paid the debt for sin that we owed. He gave His life as a ransom for us. And then Jesus says in verse 10 to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Doubt and fear were met by hope and assurance, my friends. They came expecting to anoint a dead body, but left with a promise of a living Lord. They ran with fear, reverence, and honor, great joy. They couldn't wait to share the good news with the disciples. Jesus was risen. Jesus promised his disciples he would see them in Galilee, and he also reveals a great truth there. This wasn't just about a bodily meeting to come. He confirms as to who he said he was. He fulfilled the plan and will of God. He finished the work he came to perform. If there's any doubt, all doubt would now be put to rest. Today, I am reminded of Jesus' finished work on my behalf. A hymn we used to sing quite a long time ago goes like this. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. And then the chorus. He lives, He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. What a wonderful hymn and what a great testimony. See, I place my faith in one that will never, ever fail. Scripture said he's gone away, but you know what? He's coming back again to take his bride, the church, to be with him. Let me conclude by saying this. I started my story with my dad's passing and expressing to you the great sense of loss and struggle I felt. See, death can rob you of your joy and peace. I know that. Even some of this church, uh, some of your women have lost their husbands recently in the last couple of months. And I can see that there's a sense of loss and struggle in their lives because of losing a loved one. See, but when it comes to faith in Jesus Christ, we can have confidence in a risen Savior who has conquered sin and death and hell, all of those things. So I personally put my faith and trust in a resurrected Savior who promises eternal life to all those who place their faith and trust in Him. And because I put my faith and trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross, I can have this confidence, this absolute assurance 
that when I die, I will see Jesus and I'll see my dad. And I'll see the other ones who have put their faith and trust in him or in heaven even now with him. I know I will see him again. My mother and my brothers, we stood around the grave after my father's body was laid in that grave and we sang this hymn. Maybe you know it. It says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea bills roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul, it is well, it is well with my soul. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. It is well with my soul, it is well with my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my face shall be sighted and the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend even so. It is well with my soul. Do you know who wrote that? The individual that wrote that song wrote that song after finding that his wife and his daughters were on a ship to England and he was going to follow them afterwards. And that ship sunk. His wife was spared, but he lost all his children. And in hearing her testimony, he just wept before God and he wrote that hymn. It is well with my soul because of his confidence and faith in Jesus Christ. The question I have to you today is this. Is it well with your soul? So what do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm glad you asked that question. I've talked about the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I, I tell you that unequivocally that the Word of God teaches us that's truth. And it's the truth that changes the whole dynamic of Christianity. The foundation stone of Christianity is this. Jesus rose again. We don't serve a dead Messiah. We serve one who is risen again. In God's word in John 3, 16, we read these words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's the promise of the word of God to us today. That when we put our faith and trust in the finished work of Christ, we can have eternal life and live forever. We can have that hope and we can sing that song, O death, where is your sting? Because when one's faith is in Christ, we know that death is not the end. It's just a new beginning. Where's your hope today? Where's your focus? Is it a living Savior? I hope so. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word to our hearts today. Would you just continue to bless it and use it, Lord, to speak to people's hearts. And my friend, if you're listening today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I ask that you call the church office and ask us how you can put your faith, because we'd love to show you from God's word how you can know him in a personal way so you can have the joy of knowing him as your Lord and Savior and have the confidence that no matter what happens, that when you die, that you go to heaven to be with Jesus. You can have eternal life forever. And Father, I pray that those hearing these words today will put their faith and trust in you.
for I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, my friends, it's Easter Sunday. He is risen. He is risen indeed. God bless you.